James chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Uh, authentic faith deals with the issue of sin. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father God, we do uh, thank you for uh, a glorious day. Um, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and active and we ask that as you uh, enable us to look at this passage, stir our hearts, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I studied at Bible College, I studied um, with a couple of Fijian guys and one of them one day came to me because they didn't uh, ha have a car, they didn't have access to a car, so I would often lend my car to a, a friend of mine called Weiss. I never forget on this particular day, he came and saw me just after lunch and said, I need your car for a few hours to visit a relative. I said, that's fine, gave him the keys and off he went. And it wasn't until about maybe 10 o'clock that night, I was finishing up my study in my room and I thought, that's odd that Weiss hasn't returned the keys. Normally he would borrow the car and it'd be back in a couple of hours. And Anyway, as, as I was there just pondering, there was a knock on the door and Weiss came in. And I said, hey, Weissy, how you going? Did you get things done? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, um, where'd you park the car? He said, um, um, I didn't park the car. I said, you didn't park the car? Like, is it at the front? No. Is it at the back? No. Is it out of the street? No. Where did you park the car? Uh, the man in the tow truck took it away. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, my car. And uh, as he unpackaged the story, uh, I, I sort of came to realise that my car was actually ridden off. Um, and uh, I remember just sort of saying to this guy, Weiss, um, why, why did, what, what happened? It was, it was an awful sort of situation that my car, it was my car, he messed it up, he rode it off. The good news was I had it insured and I actually got a better car in the process, but don't let that take away from the story uh, at, at all. You know, in the early chapters of the Bible, and we've looked at the book of Genesis this year, but it's important that we touch on this. But in the early chapters of the Bible, we've got this picture that God tells us that God, crea that God creates this perfect world. There is nothing wrong with the world that he's created. As a matter of fact, he says right at the end of that chapter, he says, it was good what God makes. 
So the issue becomes this, is, is that God plants in the Garden of Eden, in this paradise, this, this incredible world, and there is a tree. Now this tree is not better looking than other trees. It's a tree in the garden called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and we're told that Adam and Eve took of that tree when they shouldn't have. And what's extraordinary is, is that sin enters humanity. So what James starts with, is James starts by saying this, in verse 1 of chapter 4, have a look with me. He starts by saying, what causes fights and quarrels among you? You know, you would almost think this is a playground incident to do with a couple of children sort of not getting on well, but as a matter of fact, he's talking about mature adult Christians. And of course, we're adult and mature in our faith. We never fight and quarrel, do we, brothers and sisters? Um, And so part of the bigger picture that we get in this passage is, is that he just says that sin, because of what it does, it actually drags us down. It drags everything down. It drags us away from God. And what's extraordinary as well in this passage is, is that it highlights, you may not know this, but the word sin, amatus, comes from the archer getting the bow and arrow and shooting and it actually misses the target. It actually falls short. And that's where we get the word sin is, is that we all fall short of God and his standards that he sets down before us. And then he goes on to talk, and we don't often hear this, this topic talked about. It's in the Ten Commandments, but it's where we're told about the issue of coveting. That is, we want what other people have. You kind of think, oh, I don't have that phone. He's got that phone, and I want that phone. As a matter of fact, I want his phone. I don't want to have to buy it. And so we covet things. Um, this is a terrible admission I'm going to tell you uh, about myself. Uh, maybe 20 years ago, my wife and I, when we were first married, lived in Gladesville for three uh, years. They were terrific years. And one day we heard this commotion uh, in the apartments that we actually lived in. And I remember opening the door and these people walking past me like with a lounge chair. They weren't removalists because they were dressed in lots of different sort of ways. They were walking past me. You know, and, and as I said, what's going on? And I saw the lady who lived in the apartment block, sadly to say, I actually didn't know her name. Um, and I said, what's happening? And she said, oh, you know, my, my husband's left me and I thought the best way to get back at him would be just to give everything away. And I remember thinking, everything? And she said, yes, everything. And I remember running upstairs to her apartment and grabbing things like a stereo, a bird bath. And uh, I remember people got better stuff than I got. And I remember just sort of saying to my wife begrudgingly that day, I I sort of said, they didn't even know her. They were just people off the street grabbing stuff. You know, I I, I deserve more than that. And she said, George, do do you know her name? And I said, no. And I remember my wife just sort of putting me in my place, rightly sort of so, because when we covet, we, we want things. We, we're not happy with what we have. We should be content, but it's the opposite of being content. Do you know that um, famous Christian author, Jerry Bridges, who wrote these two fantastic Christian books that should be part of every Christian staple diet, The Pursuit of Godliness and The Pursuit of Holiness. Two terrific books. But in recent years, he has written a book and he's actually called it, wait for this, Respectable Sins. 
Now, not just your average sins. These are sins that we kind of look at that are really respectable. What about this one? What about gossip? Um, no, well, we're not gossiping. We just want information about the person so we can pray for them. Um, is that not a picture of gossip? What about, what about coveting? What about cheating even at tax time? What about selfishness? Uh, what about bullying? Um, what about doing all the things that God opposes? And so what happens is, is that we kind of think these sins are all right. There are some that you really can't do, but others you can. But the Bible doesn't describe that at all in that sort of way. And James describes the people that he's writing to and he says these words and they're so powerful he says you adulterous people don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God and then he says this anyone who chooses to be a friend of God anyone who sorry who chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God like that's extraordinary you, you can't have the both you've either got a Love God or love the world. Don't be fooled into what the world has to say. And the person who is fooled into this more than any, I kind of think, in the Bible is, is that in Genesis 19, we're actually told where God is about to pour out his anger and judgment of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what happens is, is that Abraham is fleeing the city with his nephew Lot and with uh, Lot's wife. And as they're fleeing the city, do you know the incident? Do you remember the incident of what happens to Lot's wife? As God's judgment is poured out with sulphur and, 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 and God says enough of what happens with the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as judgment is poured out, Lot's wife does this. She turns round to look at the city. Now, it's not as if that you trip over a rock or you're looking at the city to say good riddance to that city. It's gone. But when she looks at the city, she actually becomes the city. She becomes a pillar of salt. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Like she longed for the city. She wanted the city. It's what Jesus says about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in the New Testament, we know that story as well about Ananias and Sapphira. What happens to them is, is that they lie to the church. They deceive the church. They deceive themselves. And in the end, we're told tragically that this couple dies as well because of the fact that they could have had the money, but it was the fact that they actually lied to God and lied to the Holy Spirit. You know, we're told then to submit ourselves to God. In verse 7, resist the devil. And what would the devil do? Is that he will flee from you. And he actually talks about don't be double-minded. Let's be people that humble ourselves before God in terms of all that we do. You know, the word submission is misunderstood an awful lot within our culture. It's, it's almost like it's, it's a dirty word. We're actually told to, in this passage, to submit to God. We're actually told in the scriptures to submit to one another. Wives are told to submit to their husbands, but the husbands must do everything in the best interest of the wife. Um, so what's unbelievable about this passage is, is that he's saying that for the Christian person, we must see the, the importance of being people 
that actually stand for God and who he is. In the book of Colossians, uh, Paul writes to the people of Colossae and he says this, they're powerful words and he uses the imagery of putting on, putting off, putting off the old nature, putting on the new nature and he says, put to death what belongs to your old nature, what your earthly nature. And then he goes on to actually say, put to death lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. And then he actually goes on to actually say even more. He talks about uh, rage, malice, slander, um, all these things. And then he goes on to say, put on what? Put on the new, new nature, love, gentleness, kindness, serving one another, building one another up. What a great picture in terms of what we must do. I love um, the movie, and our school community got to watch it, Chariots of Fire. There you had this man who was an Olympian going to the Olympics. He had the choice of doing what? Serving God or serving the world? Being somebody that actually pursued the things of the world or the things of God? And not that I want to get into the legalism involved in that particular story, but for the period of time he was in, this is a man that honoured God. This is a man that put God first in terms of all that he did. So one of the great things that we've got to do is we've got to see the importance of actually putting God above everything. And, and I love the word where he talks about let's be people that humble ourselves uh, because when we humble ourselves, our world revolves around the person of Jesus. When we don't humble ourselves, our world revolves around who we are and what we do. Let me conclude by saying this. I worked with a man called Brian. When I first left Bible College, I worked in uh, the church at Gladesville, and uh, it, was a, it was a great job, a great uh, boss that I had. And one day I was in a staff meeting, and uh, the boss came in, Brian, and he told us that he met with a young man. And uh, he said this young man was... Uh, struggling with lots of things in life. He was struggling with, with pornography. He was struggling uh, with, with lust. And he said this to Brian. He said to Brian, he said to Brian, listen, Brian, he said, it's though I've got two dogs that live in me. He said, Some, sometimes the white dog wins, sometimes the black dog wins, but these two dogs are always fighting. And you know what Brian said to the young man? He looked at him and he said these words, which dog do you feed the most? Which nature do you feed the most? Do you actually feed this earthly nature or do we actually stand and actually put on the new nature which God has made? It's tailor-made for us. Therefore, let's put it on. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the great reminder today that we've had um, that in the book of James we're actually told uh, to be people that really seek to want to serve you and to submit ourselves to you. Uh, help us, Lord, that as we leave today, as James says as well, to wash our hands and to purify our hearts, to help us not to be double-minded. And may we change our laughter to mourning as we see the importance of actually being us, being people, that are able to actually serve you in a way that really honours you. And we thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.